This morning, as we begin to turn our eyes towards Christmas, I heard uh, one of our little girls in the church this morning, Mila, if you know her, she's walking up. I said, hey, Mila, how you doing this morning? She goes, today we're going to be putting up the Christmas tree. And she was the one, first one to get out the door towards the car. I saw her telling her parents, come on, we got to go. We got to go put up the Christmas tree. <laughs> this morning, as you heard them sing the song earlier, there's no doubt as we walk into this season that at some point somebody's going to read Matthew 1, where it says the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, that's three little words, God with us. May not seem like a whole lot, but that's, that puts, that's the whole thing. That's this whole book rolled up into one little simple statement. There's a theological term that we use when we speak about the idea of God being with us. It's called the incarnation. That's a fancy way of saying that God became flesh and literally walked among us. If there's anything I believe that we need to grasp as believers as we look towards this idea of Christmas, it's this powerful, eternal fact that God is with us. Who else can say that? Isn't it wonderful to know that we can have that feeling as we walk through life, as we face things, that we can have that knowing that He is still very much among us. He may not be physically walking this earth anymore, but God is still with us. Matter of fact, Jesus Himself in John 16, 7 said, But I tell you the truth, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, we can, he may not be physically walking on this earth anymore, but the best news of all is that we can have the Holy Spirit residing in us and we can walk through life knowing that God is with us everywhere we go in everything that we do. We can feel and experience that presence. That, that presence. God is still with us. Now, I'm sure that all of you would agree that there are times that we know things in our head and we believe it in our head, but our head and our heart aren't exactly seeing eye to eye in that moment. We know that he's with us, but everything in our heart emotionally, we're like, I'm not so sure about that anymore. And we have this kind of inward argument going on that I know what the scripture says, but I also know what I'm feeling and the two aren't jiving. The great thing is that as Christ followers, it's easy for us to believe that God is with us when we're on the mountaintop. It's easy for us to believe that God is with us when everything is going right. It's really easy for us to believe that God is with us that very first time. If you've got a newborn child and that newborn child sleeps through the whole night for the first time, you're like, God is with me. Or you go to the, to the mall and you're beginning to look and you're trying to get your shopping done and you're around and, you're, and, the, and the place is packed and you turn the corner just in time to see somebody back out on the front row and you get that spot and you slide them and God gave me a parking space. And we can enjoy those moments, and those are great moments. But see, there, there, there's where we get good news. It's easy to be up. It's easy to be excited. There's moments that we feel like we're on the mountaintop, but there's also times that... It's difficult to sense his presence because you're not on the mountaintop, you're in the valley. And when things aren't going your way or you get bad news, your mountaintop experience can suddenly become much less than that. When you're hurting, when you're worried, when you're facing circumstances that arise. So this morning I want to talk to you about this idea of God with us but as we're continuing this series we started last week, this morning I want to talk to you about God with us in the valley. Because we tend to think that he's with us when we're on the mountaintop. We believe that and somehow we think that maybe we're in the valley. That means that God has left us or God has forsaken us. He has left us behind in some fashion, but that's not the case. So often life can be going so well and so right and we have so much to be thankful for. 
things can be a hundred things can be headed in the right direction, but sometimes it only takes one or two things going wrong, and all of a sudden we feel like we're in the valley. You get a phone call. You get some bad news. And it comes crashing down. Trust me, I know there's there's some Sundays that, that we come in and I mean the house is is packed and and everything's going right. The worship team is is on point and things are set up and I feel like that I've delivered a really good message and there's been a great altar time response and I leave and man I feel like I'm up there on the mountaintop and all it takes sometimes this is sad but I'm just being honest with you is for somebody to come up and say well I didn't want to tell you this during service but. There goes the mountaintop. But that's the way the enemy works. So this morning, I want to tell you that that we can live our life. Even in the valley, we can know that God is with us. Even when we're down in the valley. There used to be a song, I don't know very well, but I remember, I, I don't even know all the words. I just remember my dad would occasionally sing this song, Down in the Valley, Valley So Low. And my dad couldn't sing that much, but every much, once in a while he'd get in this mood and he'd go through singing some of those older songs. And, and so sometimes we do. Sometimes we feel like we're down in the valley. And I'm sure this morning that some of you are there right now. Your marriage may be blessed, but you may have a, a son or a daughter that's out there doing goofy things. And they have you down in the valley. Or you sense God's presence and, and, and at the same time, as you're just going through and you're on this spiritual high, all of a sudden you get word that you could lose your job. Are you really excited about Christmas and you're getting ready and all of a sudden something comes along and you get a diagnosis from the doctor or somebody you love gets a diagnosis and you're in trouble. Or maybe it seems like you're in one of those modes or seasons of life where it seems like everything is going the wrong way. All news is bad news. So if God's with us, where is he in those valleys? Well, you look at Scripture, it's kind of interesting to me that valleys represent several things. See, valleys are where battles were fought and, and battles took place. Many times you'll find that they would camp and they would fight the battles in the valley. So the valley is a place of battles. Matter of fact, the, the Valley of Megiddo is is where most people believe that the battle of Armageddon is going to take place. And years ago, we had a chance to go to Israel. We're standing on top of the mountain, one of the most interesting seasons. And we're looking at this beautiful valley down below us because we're way up there. And you're looking down, and you're seeing all this laid out down there before you. And you know that this this battle is is on its way, and you know that it's that it's coming and all of a sudden they're talking about it. Our guide is talking about that. And we even had a discussion over where it was, how to pronounce it. And, and he, he said Megiddo and, and one of uh, the other pastors that was there said, no, it's, it's the, and he called it by a, a different pronunciation. And, and so there was this discussion that was going on. And I'll never forget the, our guide looked at him and says, which one of us lives here? <laughs> and so from that moment on, I pronounced it the way he pronounced it. So Because we call it Megiddo, right? Many times it's what you, the way you hear pronounced. But, but that's, it's just one of those things. But right in the middle of us looking at the valley, we're standing there. We're talking about the Battle of Armageddon. And all of a sudden, two Israeli fighters come barreling down through that valley. I mean, almost on eye level where they were flying as they were zipping through the valley. And, and talk about uh, a surreal moment when you're seeing that as they round the corner and all of a sudden they disappear off into the distance. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you're in the middle of a battle, right in the midst of the valley. Valleys are also seasons seasons of desperation. They're seasons of loneliness. There's times we can feel like that. So isn't it interesting that valleys, though, even though we sense, we look at the Bible, we say so many times that valleys represent being down. Valleys represent being in the midst of the battle. Valleys represents being lonely. Isn't it interesting that valleys are the place of growth? Valleys are the things where the farms flourish. Valleries are the things that are green. You know, 
referring back to that trip to Israel, one of the most interesting things is we land and we're driving along, we're riding in this bus, we're going on it, and it's nothing but desert going by, desert going by, desert going by. We go through this tunnel on the side of this mountain, come out on the other side in the valley, and all of a sudden I realize what Scripture meant when it said the land flowing with milk and honey because there's this beautiful green valley all around us. Right in the middle of the desert is this beautiful beautiful place with all kinds of plants and palm trees and and farms and and believe it or not banana groves so it's amazing so valleys even though valleys can be a place of all these bad they can be such a place of amazing growth and so if you're taking notes i want you to write this down we enjoy god on the mountaintops but we get to know him in the valleys that's an incredibly true statement. We enjoy God on the mountaintops. We love the mountaintops, but we get to know him in the valleys. So valleys aren't all bad. You know, I'm going to take a little time this morning. We're going to explore. Instead of begin to think about this thought, what passage of Scripture really captures where we're going here? And I found Psalms 84. Now, if you've ever read through Psalms 84, Psalms 84 is one of those, these verses that I'm going to be reading, and maybe something as you were reading it, you kind of blast right through it. How many times do you know that sometimes you can be reading God's Word, and you're reading it, and you're kind of getting to what feels good to you in the moment, and you blow past some things, and then later on you discover how much meat and how much meaning is in what you just blew past. And so once you read through it, it gives you an interesting perspective on mountaintops and valleys. And so we're going to read it. And I think this will really speak to you this morning, especially if you feel like that you're down in the valley because you're either in a valley or you're going to be in a valley. We all face valleys. That's not meant to be pessimistic in any way, but, but things aren't perfect in this life. So let's read it. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So what, what is this valley of Baca? Well, it seems to me that there's... that. Uh, if you look at it, you look at the root and how it was given its name, there's a tree that grows in that area that is known as the crying or the weeping tree because in the, and it has that name. And the whole thing is that tree oozes its sap, almost like the tree is weeping and crying. And so in a sense, this valley that is being described, that's being called by name, it is known as the valley of tears or the valley of weeping are the valley of loss. Sounds like a depressing place, doesn't it? And so valleys in the Bible are, are symbolically very dangerous places. We all know of the valley of the shadow of death. We were driving on our tour in Israel, and in one of those places that we stopped, we are driving along, and all of a sudden, the guide points out and says, when David wrote that psalm, I want you to know that right there, that valley right there, and it was, it was kind of this dark place and they said that is what he was talking about when he talked about the valley of the shadow of death because it was not exactly the best place that you wanted to be it was a place that wild animals were known to get people and if they didn't get you there were robbers that could get you there were all these things that could be faced and so you were considered blessed if you made a trip through that valley without any kind of incident happening and so this was a very interesting time, and people would be waiting to jump and rob you and all those things. And we journeyed through this, with this journey through the valley in mind this morning. The psalm says this, which I think we need to grab a hold of this morning. It says, blessed are those whose strength is found in you, God. See, we're all going to face valleys. We're all going to walk through valleys. We're all going to face those difficult times. But blessed are the ones whose strength is found in you. God. See, I want you to know it's many times if we don't know God intimately, as we journey through valleys of life and we face these things, we're always faced with the thoughts of, I've had enough. I can't do this 
anymore. I'm overwhelmed. I'm exalted. I'm exhausted. I don't have enough to go on. I quit. The truth is, if you don't know God intimately, then what you have is all you have. Let's sink in for a moment. If you don't know God intimately, what you have is all you have. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things I don't like the idea of facing just with what I have. Because what I have, pardon my English, ain't enough. It's not enough. I don't want to face it on my own. You know, if what we have is all we have, sometimes we can be in trouble. I don't want to go through that valley by myself. Back then, they wouldn't travel through the valleys by themselves. It didn't work out so good for the man and the good Samaritan had to come along and rescue. But for those that are Christ followers, we have this strength that goes beyond just what we have. We have access to heavenly strength. That's why the psalm says, blessed are those whose strength is found in you. See, we believe when we get to our strength, there's another strength that we can tap into. There's a heavenly strength that we can get a hold of. There's a divine strength, a strength from God that's available to those of us that know him. And it's there and it's for us. And it's not a foreign concept. We get the concept. Let me ask you this. How many of you have an extra battery for your phone that you can plug your phone into? And if you get an emergency, let me see your hand. Sometimes we carry them. Now, phones have gotten better. But I remember used to, man, it was, it was hard. If you used your phone a lot, it was hard to make it through a day on a single battery. So they sell these little batteries. Then when you're going along and, you, and you've used up all the battery in your phone, then all of a sudden you can pull that out of your pocket and you can plug your phone into that. And it's this extra battery that can give extra power that can recharge your phone. We understand that concept in technology. We understand rechargeable batteries. We understand that this thing, I can use it wirelessly by itself, but when it gets low, I can plug it in and I can recharge it and I can go. And yet we forget sometimes in our own minds that in the spiritual realm, it's the same way. We want to face things on our own strength, on our own power. We want to walk through it. And, and God is saying, you can get, you can, there's, there's extra power. There's extra resources. There's things you can tap in to get a recharge to help you make it through the valley. Blessed are those whose strength is found in God. You know, if you're in a valley right now, we have access to this very real power. I want you to notice something real quick here. It doesn't say blessed are those who make it on their own. It doesn't say blessed are those who pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Now, I know what a bootstrap is. I'm not one that wears boots much off too often, but I know what they are. And I, I, I was thinking through that saying, I don't know where that saying came from. I understand pulling your boots up by your bootstraps, but if you're knocked down on the ground, I don't know what tugging on your bootstraps is going to do to get you up. <laughs> but sometimes we think that we got to pick ourselves up. It doesn't say blessed are those who are truly, really determined or blessed are the stubborn who foolishly retreat from the holy hand that is reaching out to help them. Yet don't we do it. We get down and God's reaching out saying, I can help you through this. No, no, I got this. No, you don't. You don't. See, one of the big problems of the world today is that we, autom- we almost idolize the spirit of independence. That we don't want to show weakness. I don't need God. I don't need anybody. Can I say this to you? We're not created to be independent. It doesn't work that way. We're created by our God to depend on him and to depend on others. That's why a, that's why a, a ch- God and a relationship with him and then a church family is so important. Isn't it nice to know that when you get in trouble, there's somebody you can call? 
Not only can you pray, but usually there's somebody that are his hands and feet that are standing that can be there for you. There's people that can join you in prayer. Because there's times you're down in the valley and there's times you feel so overwhelmed and so overloaded that it's hard to even muster up enough faith to pray. But isn't it nice that you can call out to somebody else and say, hey, can you pray for me right now? There is something about we need that greater power that we can depend on because we can't do it with self. When you're in the valley, the best thing you can do is admit it, that I can't make it by myself. I need help. Psalms 84, 5 in the New Living Translation, I I love the way it puts it. It says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. You know, basically what the saying is, this valley I'm in, this isn't my residence. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm headed to Jerusalem. I'm headed to the mountaintop. I'm just passing through this valley. Pilgrimage to Jerusalem, what does that mean? You know, you may be in the valley, but you're going to the place known as the city of refuge. You're going to the place they call the place of peace. I love what one commentary said. It says, to get to the city of refuge, you have to travel through the valley of tears. Think about that for a moment. To get to the city of refuge, you have to travel through the valley of tears. I I don't know about you, I like that imagery because we are going to face stuff in life. There's going to be times that the tears come. Now, you may be a big tough guy that you don't like anybody to ever see that you cry, but you know what? You may not be crying on the outside, but there's times we all cry on the inside. And there's times that we need to understand that this, yes, we're going through that tough time. Yes, we're in that valley, but we're just passing through. This isn't our final destination. This isn't where we end up. This isn't where he's going to leave us. He's going to lead us to the mountaintop if we'll let him, and we will arrive, and we will be at that place. Here's what you need to understand about the mountaintop. There's no gondola directly to the top. There is no godly gondola. You know, we went to Israel. There's just so much in this. I just keep referring back to that because when you've seen these things the Scripture talks about, it's just it's hard not to. But we had a chance to go up to Masada, and there was two choices. You could walk the trail that cut back and forth that led up to the top, or you could take the gondola. We took the gondola because it was way up there. But you know what? When you're in the valley, there is no godly gondola. And you know what else? There's no chemical shortcuts. You can't medicate your way out of the valley. We live in a generation and a time where people think that that's the way to get out of the valley. Just medicate yourself can't do that. Oh, you might feel high, but physically you're still in the valley. See, there's no other relationship other than the one that God offers that will do. There's nothing that can get you out of the valley that you're in. There's only one that can give you peace in the valley, as the old song used to sing. And we need to realize we're on a pilgrimage. This is part of our journey of this thing we call life. And I can trust my guide. I can trust he's going to get me there. My destination is that city on the mountain, and he knows the way there because he came from there to provide for me a way to go there. And so I'm going to follow him. And one day I will get there. But while I'm in the valley, I'm going to follow the guide. Because Psalms 23, 4, we kind of alluded to it earlier, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does it say? It says, What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on the destination. You know what we have to do in the valley? 
We can walk through it. It can be a difficult time, but we have to set our mind on the destination. We have to understand where we're going, and then we need to press through. We need to press on. Then we set our minds towards God. Colossians 3.1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. See, the truth is worry in the valley robs us of the opportunity of closeness with God. How many of you would say, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, just acknowledge yourself, how many of you would say, I worry sometimes? I worry too much. We all do that, right? And what is worry? Worry is when we get ourselves all worked up over a hundred different scenarios that will never come to pass. We think of all the ways that it can go wrong. And we stew on it, and we meditate on it, and we get ourselves trapped in this darkness and in this valley, and we rehearse it over and over and over in our minds, and, and we just know that, that at any moment the other shoe's going to drop, any moment it's going to blow up on us. And yet the whole idea is when we live our lives in that kind of worry, we rob ourselves of incredible intimacy time with God. Because His goal is to get you to that place. The enemy's the one that wants you to worry. He's the one that wants you to run around putting out fires. He's the one that wants to make you to make you think that you've got to do it on your own. The whole goal is that he wants to get you to abandon the pilgrimage. He wants to get you to the place you say, it's not worth it anymore. I can't do this. I quit. This God thing doesn't work. I'm out of here. Bye. But remember this. He is with you. Declare that. Quote that scripture, God with us. God is with me. Declare his presence and his peace over yourself. Let him put your mind at rest. Spend that intimacy time with him. And there's a peace that passes understanding that can rest upon you. I can't tell you how many times in my life I have gone to God with situations and things that have me concerned, things that have me weighed down. And when I leave my prayer time with him, when I leave my intimacy time with him, those things haven't changed. But I walk out different. I walk out with a peace. I walk out with an assurance. I walk out with this knowledge that I'm just passing through this valley. I will get to the other side, and he's got me in the palm of his hand, and I'm going to make it. Because your enemy loves to play mind games with you. Can I tell you something? This is one game. It's okay to cheat. I know the one that set the rules. I know the one that can lift me out of that. I know the one that can bend the, the laws of nature, that can bend the laws of physics. I know the one that can stop time if he has to. I know the one that can do all these things. And so if I'm going to be in this valley and we're going to fight this valley, I'm going to go the one that can help me cheat. Because after all, the journey that we're headed for, the final destination of that journey is the new Jerusalem. And I'm determined I'm passing through. And I'm determined I'm going to make it. I'm determined that my feet are going to stand there on that mountaintop with him. Oh, you may feel like you're under pressure. There's too much to do. But remember, God is with you. You may have just gotten tragic news. God is with you. Think of this. He was born into this world for the purpose of being with you in the valley. Verse 6 says this, and I love it. As they passed through the valley of Baca. And then he goes on to say, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with ponds or pools. You know, you may be here today, and you may not be where you want to be. You may be in that valley. You may say, I don't like it here. I want out. But you know what? Sometimes we just have to say, you know, if I'm going to be here while I'm here, there's some things I can do. And I love what the King James Version says with this place where, where it talks about it. It says, they make it a well. Or as the NIV says, they make it a place of springs. 
In other words, whenever you're in that dry place, whenever that valley, what do you do? You dig a well. You make it a well. You make it a spring. You say, you know what? I may be here, but while I'm here, I'm going to dig down. I'm going to get the best out of this I can do. I'm going to use this opportunity. You dig a hole of faith, and you dig it as a container for the provision of the rain that God will send into your desert. God may not have sent it yet. It may still be dry right now. But when you're dry and when you're hurting, you make room for the presence of God. You make room for the provision of God. You make a well. You dig it right then and there. You know what you do? You pull out your shovel of faith and you dig a hole. God, I may not understand, but I'm in this dry place, but I know you're going to send water, so I'm going to go ahead and dig a well right now because you're going to send it and you're going to fill it. I thought about that, but mine went to 2 Kings chapter 3, 15 through 17. It says this. Jehoshaphat and his army combined with another kings were going through searching for the enemy, and they marched a long distance, and they ran out of water, and they found themselves in the valley of Edom. And it was a dry desert valley. Jehoshaphat was a smart one among the kings. He said, hey, let's, let's get a hold. Let's... Is there a man of God around that we can reach out to? And so it says this. It says, Now bring me a harpist. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches, for this is what the Lord says. You will neither see you will neither see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you and your cattle and other animals will drink. Think of that. Now, can you imagine? They must have looked like idiots out there in the middle of a dry desert digging ditches. What you doing? I'm digging a ditch. Why digging a ditch? Water's coming. You realize you're standing in a desert, right? I'm sure that there were some that were like, you know what? This is stupid. I ain't digging no ditch. You can wear yourself out in this heat. I'm going to stand over here in the shade. Knock yourself out. But you know what? God didn't send the wanderer just like he said. It didn't cloud up. It didn't do any of the things that they would that you look and say, hey, rain is coming. All of a sudden, water just comes running through the valley. But here's the point we can take away from that. Those that had the faith to dig the ditches, they had water. Those that didn't saw God provide, and they saw the provision blow on by, and they weren't left with anything. There is something I think we can learn from that. When we're in the middle of the valley, and we're facing, we're in that dry season, man, spend that intimate time with God and expect a miracle. Get out your shovel of faith, dig that ditch, make it a well, make the springs, make room for when he does send it, that you've got a place to hold, or that you've got your own private well, reservoir of his blessing that you can draw from while you're in the valley. See, you dig the ditch. God says, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. You dig it, I'll fill it. You prepare for me and I will show up. We show him our faith. He will show us his faithfulness time and time again. How many miracles in Scripture do we see that it was that act of faith that God responded to? That they had to put their faith into action before they saw the miracle. If we prepare, God will reveal himself. And sometimes we just need to get our shovel of faith out and get to work. I love the if promises of God. What does God say? He says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. It's the same principle. See, I believe there's somebody here today that you haven't sensed the presence of God in a long time. And it's time to make a well. It's time to dig a ditch. And I'm going to, and we need to understand, we need to reach out to him in faith, knowing that he's saying, I'm going to make provision for you. And if we dig and we prepare and we spend that time with him, things can happen. Some of you really need an encounter with God. But you know what? God rarely reveals himself to people who are rushed. 
I purposely today had them speed up the earlier part of the service so that I have time to deliver this message and we'd have plenty of time for altar time because I believe that this is something God gave me because there are people here that feel like you're in the valley. And I know there's a tendency here in a moment when I make the altar call to say, hey, I can beat the crowd to the lunch. I understand. But we don't, when you're pursuing God, you don't need to be in a rush. But we do. We live in a time where people are in a rush. We want everything instantly. We want everything quick. We want it fast. We want it easy. And I was thinking about that. Can you imagine Moses having his burning bush encounter today? Because he wouldn't have been just walking around. He'd have been going, he'd been going about 70 miles, 75 miles an hour down the road and said, Hey, I think that's a burning bush. Here, snap a picture of it. I'll look at that later. I'll post it on Snapchat. That might have been a miracle. God says, hey, come a little bit closer. See what I'm doing. Why don't you stay a while? By the way, take your shoes off and stay a while because this is holy ground. See, we don't, we, we, we got to get back to this idea of understanding that there is something about waiting on God. We enjoy him so much on the mountains, but we get to know him intimately in the valley. God never promised you that you'd never go through a valley. He did promise you that you'd never go through the valley alone. God with us. See, we can make it to the mountaintop because he is with us in the valley. Verse 7 of Psalms 84 says, They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. What's that describing? That's providing strength to strength. That's his provision again and again while you're going through the valley until he gets you to that place of Zion, until you reach the new Jerusalem. See, we may be walking through the valley, but we can have our mindset the whole time looking forward to the mountain, looking forward to his provision. I know if we had time today, I know there are some sitting here today that have been through some of the darkest of valleys, and they could tell you stories about God's hand as he guided them through that time and how that he helped them and how that he brought them out, even though it seemed like there was no hope. This morning, I'm, I I'm brought this message because I don't, want, I don't want you to feel like you're weak. And, and, and you maybe you feel like, that. where is God? But in the middle of our weakness, God is our strength. When you're in darkness, who is God? God is our light in the darkness. God is our joy when we're in trouble. God is our comforter in the midst of our pain. And that's who our God is. And as we pass through this valley, even though we're in the valley, we don't have to fear because he said, I am God with you. He longs to give you the miracles. He longs to be there. All he says is, you know what? This, this valley time can be our most intimate time together. It can be our time where we can connect. It can be our time where I can speak in your life and you can know me at the depths of a level you've never known me before. And either we embrace that or we walk away from it. But if we embrace it, God can perform miracles. It's in the valley where miracles take place. So I want to ask our worship team to come because he is with us and he does care for us and he does love us. And you may be here today and you're walking through this, what feels like the deepest, darkest valley. You can feel like that there is no hope. You can feel like that there is no way out. You can feel like that somehow you got to buck up and 
take care of it all yourself. But I'm telling you, it's not dependent upon just you. That there's a God that is stretching forth his hand and saying, I want to be there for you as you're walking through this valley. I know that it's difficult, but I can be there so close. You can know that I am with you. You may not know how or where or when it's going to work out, but you can know that I've got you. If you'll just take my hand, I will show you miracles you wouldn't even believe. Because it's in the valley that we experience miracles. It's in the valley that we discover how much he truly loves us. It's in the valley that even as we're weeping, even though it's maybe the valley of tears, we can feel the gentle loving hand of our Savior on our back saying, I got you. It may not look like you want it to look in your mind, but trust me, I'm going to get you to that mountaintop. Follow me. Don't run. Don't worry. Don't be weary. Follow me. He's the God of miracles. This morning, I want you to do something that's maybe a little bit difficult. There's a power in thanking God for the answer before you see it. There's a power in getting that shovel of faith out and digging that ditch before the water comes. So here's what I want you to do. They're going to lead us in a song called God of Miracles. If you're here today and you feel down in the valley, before you do anything, we're way ahead of schedule, a normal schedule, so we're not in a rush. I want you to worship him, and I want you to thank him for the miracle before we even pray. I want you to not worry about coming to the altar at this point. I want you to focus on what the words of the song say, and I want you to begin to call out to him and say, Lord, I thank you for the miracle that I need right now. We're going to pray in a minute. But right now, it's just saying, Lord, I thank you that you're with me in the valley. God, I thank you that you're the God of miracles. I want you to stand. Let's thank him for it. Reaching out to make me whole He's reaching out to me 
the God of miracles and I know that this message was given because there's some of you that feel like you're in the valley he wants to meet you there and so I'm going to pray and as I pray I want you to step out make that walk of faith believe that he's going to meet you agree with you in prayer that he would meet you in the valley where you're at. And he would lead you out of that valley to the other side. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith right now. But as I pray, begin to come forward. Father, we come before you. Lord, you are the God of miracles. Lord, we ask this this morning that you would stretch forth your hand, that you would perform miraculous works, that you would meet each one where they're at. Lord, that as they walk through this valley, as they face this difficult time, that you would reach out and touch them and minister to them, that you would give them strength, that you would give them peace, that you would let them know that you've never left them, you haven't forsaken them, that you are God with them, and Lord, that you desire to lead them and to touch them, to meet them where they're at. Lord, to, to bring them out of this, Lord. I, we come against, we speak against any darkness in the name of Jesus, and we speak your light to rest upon that situation. Lord, we speak your provision. We speak your healing. We speak your power and your anointing and your hand to do works, Lord God, that we don't even know to ask for. Lord, raise people up. Lord, enlighten their countenance. Make them, Lord, bright again. Let them walk and know that there is hope, that you're walking with them, and that you have them, and that you will meet them and that they can encounter you right now, that they can have the most intimate time with you, Lord, even though they're in the midst of the valley. And Lord, we ask that right now in Jesus' name. If that's you, come forward, come forward. Don't wait, don't hesitate, don't look around. 
So if you'd like to share that with them, you'll be able to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the God who is with us in the valley, not just on every mountaintop, but in every low and dry place. And we thank you that you see us and you you want to be with us and you want to you want us to, to know that you're there. I pray right now, Lord, as we leave this place, no matter where we are in life, whether it's on the mountaintop or in the valley, we will know that you're right there with us. You care for us and you give us the strength to make it through. I want you to know that our senior pastor is out in the uh, foyer right now under the sign that says guests. If you filled out a, a guest card, if they've already taken it up, that's fine. If you still have it with you, please take it to him. He has a special gift for you. Like I said last week, we know that God is with us while we're up on the mountaintops. We struggle when we're down in the valleys feeling like, well, maybe he's not there. But here's the question. What happens when you're not on the mountaintop and you're not in the valley, but you're somewhere in between? And you're not sure if God's up or God's down and you're not sure which way to go. Well, next week we have a message for you called God, God with us in the wilderness. Because it's oftentimes in the wilderness when you're in that moment of uncertainty, when you're not really sure what decision to make or, or where you're supposed to be going or even where you are, you kind of feel just lost in the middle of all the chaos of life. Well, next week we'll be talking about God with us in the wilderness. We'll see you then.